This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There's more to the story than just postpartum depression, and this podcast aims to share it all. From personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Welcome to Mom in Mind. I am your host, Dr. Kat. On our episode today, we are talking with therapist Laura Galindo. She is sharing with us the importance of talking about mental health and perinatal mental health, especially when you're in the field of mental health, because there can be so much additional shame around it as a clinician or therapist or helper for that matter. And there can be a lot of assumptions about therapists or helpers in the field thinking that they might not need help because they themselves have been through school or have had training, but that's just not the case. We are still humans and we still deal with a lot of things that other people deal with. Even though we might have unique perspective or training on how to cope and deal with things, it does not mean that we're not affected. Laura is going to be talking about what went on for her and what was helpful during her struggle as well as how postpartum impacts relationships around you. A lot more people these days are coming out talking about their experience of becoming pregnant or giving birth in and around the start of the pandemic or during the pandemic. And it has really had a massive impact on a lot of new parents. It is such a unique period of time, the pandemic, and the way it has impacted so many people we are just really beginning to hear about the the shorter term impacts, but also the longer term impacts of uh, the stress and the anxiety and the isolation that people felt as parents. Layer on top of that, being a therapist while you're also trying to help other people through this very challenging time of the pandemic, and it is a recipe for high stress. Laura is a licensed marriage and family therapist in California, New York, and Connecticut, where she currently resides. She's been in the field for over a decade, providing therapy to individuals who are chronically mentally ill. She has also worked with those who are actively serving in the U.S. military. Laura currently runs her own private practice in Connecticut and is certified in DBT, Dialectical Behavior Therapy, 
EMDR, and perinatal mental health. Join me in welcoming Laura. Welcome, Laura. Thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Kat. I appreciate that you want to come on and share about your journey. And looks like the COVID and pandemic really impacted things as well, which a lot of people are dealing with. So I'm grateful that you're sharing your story and and how you got through that. So I welcome you to start wherever you're comfortable. Thank you. So (laughs) I'm a mom of two right now. I have a five and a half year old and a two and a half year old. And if we rewind back to March of 2020, where I think most people can remember exactly what they were doing and where they were at in that time period, Mm -hmm. my due date with my second daughter was March 5th of 2020. And leading up to it, everything was great. No issues, nothing. No issues in my previous pregnancy either. And she came on March 4th. So this was about a week before everything shut down. So luckily, I was able to have my husband with me when I I gave birth to her. We were able to have family members come to the hospital. All of that stuff played out exactly how I had anticipated it to based on having my first daughter. And so I remember about a week into being home, we got a call, of course, like most people, that my daughter's school had closed for about two weeks. And (laughs) that was so not what I thought (laughs) was going to happen. That was not how I planned my maternity leave Mm -hmm. to look like. And so I was home with a three-year-old and a newborn. Thankfully, my husband, he used to travel a lot for work and he wasn't able to travel at all, which I think looking back was a real blessing, not knowing what we were going to go through, but with hindsight. And I remember looking at my husband saying like, what are we going to do with a three-year-old who still needs a lot of our attention and a newborn? And at that time, my youngest, she wasn't showing any signs of discomfort or unhappiness. She was still just sleeping nicely. And about two weeks after I had her, so we were um, a week into the pandemic, she started screaming and crying. I mean, nonstop. And with my first daughter, she was what I now call my unicorn baby mm-hmm. uh, or the trick baby. <laughs> yeah. The one where I said I'd have six just like her. Mm-hmm. Uh, she slept from seven weeks on, no issue. She would never cry, just a true angel. And then we had my second one. And I mean, it was just the complete opposite. She, nothing you would do would, would calm her. And you could tell that she was in distress and discomfort and there was nothing, nothing that I could do. I was breastfeeding at the time with her and that in and of itself has always been a struggle, but I felt like I needed to prove to myself that I could Mm. do it again. And then I finally, after talking to the pediatrician many times, asking like, what is going on with her? And she said, well, let's cut out dairy. Maybe it's dairy in your diet. And so a month later, we're still having the same issues and I'm unhappy because I'm not having dairy. Uh, And and so then we supplemented with formula and that wasn't working. So then we had to get a special formula, which the cost of that was just very difficult to swallow knowing that I could produce milk and I just, that wasn't what she needed in that Mm -hmm. time. I mean, and I mean, just, we would have to run around just to get her to sleep. She would only sleep on us and we had to be moving. Mm. So we would do laps in our house. We would be driving everywhere. One of us would always be walking the neighborhood. 
I mean, for eight hours a day, like it was a lot with a three-year-old still at home, not really understanding what's going on. Right. Family members weren't able to come and visit. Mm -hmm. Uh, They did meet her in the hospital, but again, fast forward a month into the pandemic, our parents are not young. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. and so in order to protect them, they wanted to keep their distance. So it was about three months or so before they saw her again. And in that point, it was just me and my husband kind of tag teaming everything. And of course, just not knowing how serious the pandemic was going to get, how long right. it was going to last, not right. knowing when my daughter, my older one was going to go back to school. So there's a lot of a lot of uncertainty and a lot of help that we were unable to receive. I know with, with my first daughter, luckily, we, I was able to go to a lactation consultant. I was able to go to women mom support groups in person and all of those things, which were really helpful those weren't happening. Not even virtually. I don't, if I remember correctly, I think it was still so new that we couldn't quite figure that part out yet. And so for several months, it was just, it was so isolating. I had a couple other friends that also gave birth at that time. Well, not at that time, but a month or two behind me. And so their experiences were very different than mine were. And it was just such a, it was such a, a very dark time. There weren't too many people that really understood what we were going through. A lot of people would downplay like, oh, she can't be that bad. And I mean, it was not super validating. No, not (laughs) Uh, not at all. And it was just, it was just, it was, it was hard. It was hard Mm -hmm. on me, on my body physically. It was hard on me emotionally. I think it took a toll on my marriage, which we're, we're, everything's great now. But I mean, it was a really hard time. We also... (laughs) decided to move during my maternity leave. So we had a five week old and we moved. So we were packing up the house at the same time. Oh my gosh. Which again, just another added stress. And so, I mean, just having boxes everywhere. And again, we had to put a vacuum up to my daughter's ear just to get her to sleep. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, just pulling out all the stops and everything that I was like, Oh, I don't know why people ever need to do this. And then here we go. And so it was really, really difficult. And I remember at my six week postpartum appointment, I was actually really looking forward to that appointment because I was like, something's not quite right. I mean, I loved her very much, but I just had these, these thoughts of like, what the hell did we do? Mm-hmm. Like what this is. And, and there were times and my husband and I, we talk about this a lot, how there were times where I truly thought the hospital had to have switched the babies. There's mm-hmm. no way that this could be mm-hmm. my child mm-hmm. because we did put her in the nursery for the last night. And I was like, man, like, I wonder if she would have acted like this if we didn't do that, if we somehow switched the babies. And I was going through all of these irrational thoughts and yeah. just really beside myself, nothing was working. I think I purchased every single like sleep sack. Mm. I purchased, I mean, at, at a point of desperation, it's three o'clock in the morning, she's screaming. Right. I'm exhausted. My husband was back to work at that point. I'm like, something's got to give. And packages mm-hmm. would just start arriving of things from pure desperation, which of yes. course never worked. Then there was also this really deep feeling of mom guilt mm. because I'm trying to give my attention to this newborn who desperately needs our help. Mm-hmm. And I still have my three-year-old at home mm-hmm. who has no clue. She just went from being an only child for the last three years to now secondary in a lot of different ways. And then, of course, all this extra noise in the house that she wasn't used to. So yeah. there was a lot of moving parts that all happened at the same time. And I, 
I have a lot of resentment towards the pandemic, just kind of in general, thinking like, okay, things might have been a lot easier had we not been in lockdown, had my Mm -hmm. my oldest been in school. But I think at the end of the day, she was still going to have colic. She was still going to be just so uncomfortable. It was still going to be difficult regardless, but we had a a lot of added stressors to it, which did not make it easy at all. So so I remember going to my six-week postpartum appointment, which was virtual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember the doctor asking how I was doing and I just lost it. Cause yeah. I think that was the first time anybody actually like asked me, like, mm-hmm. how are you actually doing? And she was like, oh boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and so she gave me the Edinburgh scale and we went through everything. And, she, and then before she even tallied it up, I was like, I know I'm depressed. I know this is not, this is not me. This is not how I anticipated things to go. This is not how I was when I was postpartum before. So she was really great talking to me and of course, giving me resources and therapists. And I think there was also this shame component that I have or that I had with it, where as a therapist myself, Mm -hmm. admitting that there's something wrong that I'm not doing okay, I feel like there was that added guilt, shame, because I'm a therapist, I should know how to deal with this, I should know how to coping skills to use. And and I just there were no skills, there was nothing that would work. I mean, there were nights where I wouldn't be able to sleep, and I would have panic attacks, and I'd come downstairs and just like, stare at like a blank screen. Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was not not fun. Definitely not the maternity leave that I anticipated I was going to have. No, Um, not at all. And so thankfully, my doctor connected me with a therapist who I still see who I love. And we did some EMDR work around it, which was Mm -hmm. amazing, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, which is wonderful. It works really well with trauma, anxiety, depression, just so many things. And so that really, really helped. And then I also remember having a couple conversations with my husband, just like, this isn't, this isn't right. And I I remember one day him telling me, go take the car, go drive somewhere. And my first thought was, well, where the hell am I going to go? Everything's closed. I can't go anywhere. There's, I mean, I can maybe go for a walk somewhere, but even then, like we didn't know what we know now about the pandemic. So I was like, where am I going to go? I can't go to Target and just like walk around. You know, it was, there were lines to get into places at that point, like Costco, you had to wait in line. And then the other part of me was if I leave, I don't know if I'll ever come back. There were thoughts of like, God, mm-hmm. like I, I, I'm glad I can't go anywhere because if I did, maybe I'd be gone for a week or two or a month mm-hmm. or like, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that really, that scared the crap out of me right? because that's so not, <laughs> that's not who I am. And so it was just one thing after another. And then I remember specifically on Mother's Day, him asking me like what I wanted to do, knowing clearly it's been a struggle the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. I said, I just want to go for a walk. I just want to go for a walk by myself. And that release, I don't know what it was that day. It was the release that I needed. And from that day forward, I have been a huge believer in the idea of movement is medicine, whether it's yoga, whether it's stretching, that really seemed to help me, whether it's running on the treadmill or outside, but it, it was the release that I needed. Mm-hmm. And it didn't dawn on me before then. So I was suffering for about two months and it yeah. didn't really dawn on me before then that, oh yeah, like I can, I can move my body. I'm, I'm able to do that, thankfully. 
And I remember that was my one thing since that Mother's Day that every day after that I had to move mm-hmm. and not with a baby on me, not bouncing yeah, yeah. up and down, right. like in, in moving for me and not for anybody else. Um, exactly, yeah. And so that I think in combination with therapy just was really like my saving grace at that point. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I was supposed to go back to work, seeing clients and everything, full caseload, 80 plus people at a community health agency. Oof. And uh, which was, that's a lot to begin with. It is. <laughs> And I remember my, my maternity leave starting to come to an end and I was torn. I had this panic of, oh my gosh, I I don't know if I'm going to be ready to go back. How Mm -hmm. can I possibly provide therapy and help other people when I am in such a, I don't know, dark clouded place. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the other side of me was get me out of this house I need to go do something that is mm-hmm. not required me to jump up and down with a baby and rock uh-huh. and move and, and all of this. And so I remember talking with my husband and I said, I want to see if I can go back early, which again is so not, I, I was really looking forward to a long maternity leave, <laughs> but given the circumstances, I needed that distraction. I needed to be away. And so I shortened my maternity leave by about two and a half weeks just because I needed that separation. Mm-hmm. And with that came a whole lot of guilt and shame as well. Cause there's so many moms, dads out there with, what do you mean? You don't want to take your home material. What do you mean you're coming back? And so yeah. having to explain myself in certain situations or what came up like, Oh, you're back so early. And there was this shame, like, God, like I'm doing something wrong. I'd rather be at work than be home with my baby. And mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, there was just a lot of emotions going on at that time. I think the distraction helped, at least for me, going back to work and not having that same responsibility, or at least I knew that there was an end to my mom time and Mm -hmm. being mom, and then I could go put my therapy hat on. Mm -hmm. But that's that's basically the the story of what my maternity leave looked like, the postpartum pieces. I'm really fortunate that I have a good foundation I've got a couple of really close family members. I've got some really close friends that I felt okay talking to. But again, right, you couldn't actually see them or hug them because there was COVID going on. So just a very isolating experience. And so I think talking about it has been really helpful, whether it's to a friend or a client that might find it useful of some sort, obviously not in so much detail, but just for some additional support, I think it's been really helpful. So yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. It's really so, I mean, there's so many things that came together at the exact wrong time yeah. Um, oh, yeah. for, for, for loads and loads of people during COVID as it relates yeah. to, to birth and postpartum, but e- each person's story is still so individual. Yeah even though there was this collective trauma happening. But specifically when you were talking about your how, how movement was helpful for you, it like all prior to that, it doesn't sound like it like it was even available to you to no. think about what could help you because you were no. just so in it. Yeah, I was so in it. And I've got lots of skills that I tell my clients all the time. And I couldn't, I had the blinders on and I couldn't yeah. see anything except what was right in front of me at that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think about dinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband had to remind me to like take a shower. He's like, mm-hmm. it's been a couple of days. It's like, have you showered? Mm-hmm. Didn't cross my mind. He, If he wasn't cooking for me, I wasn't eating. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really survival mode. And there was, I wasn't able, I couldn't see anything. My, my memory was really bad. Yeah. I remember having really bad headaches. I just felt like all aspects of my life were just kind of crashing faster than I could even attempt to pick up any of the pieces. Mm-hmm. And I think at some point it all somehow came together, but I will never forget that Mother's Day where the, mm-hmm. it just something clicked and that was all I needed. And every day after that, I was like, I got to go run. I got to go stretch. I got, I need to sweat. I need something. to do something. Mm-hmm. And it's, I kicked myself for a while. Like, God, why did it take me so long to figure that out? But when you're in it and there's no, we had no idea how long the pandemic was going right. to last. Heck, I mean, we're still kind of in it. Uh, <laughs> like we didn't know what any of that was going to look like. Mm-hmm. And me not knowing where the finish line was made it almost worse. Right, um, right. If somebody said like, okay, you're only going to deal with this for three months and then it's going to be fine. Yeah. I, I think I'd be able be to different. manage that a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, there's so many things happening during that time that would you know that, that a lot of people experience as traumatizing. Uh, and I, it, it's just so hard to, to think about, as you said, outside of the survival mode frame of mind, but it's like, there's so many levels of survival mode. <laughs> <laughs> like survival through the pandemic, survival with a colicky baby, survival with a three-year-old and a baby and like doing it on your own and not having sleep. And uh, I mean, there's I, I, yeah. in and around like sometimes the two-ish month mark, maybe sooner, people start to acclimate a little bit to their sleep deprivation. Yeah, <laughs> It doesn't mean you feel better. Oh, <laughs> I, there are just so many levels of difficult. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember, I think it went on like this for probably, I'd say the first six or seven months of her life. Mm. So even once I returned back to work, it wasn't like she had outgrown it at that point. But we had at that point, we were able to get we had a a part time nanny come to help us. My husband was still home. He wasn't traveling, thankfully. Mm -hmm. But between the three of us, we were able to kind of tackle it. But it was just I mean, it and there's these these poor people out there that suffer with it for like 18 months. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can go on for a very long amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm thankful that it only lasted six or seven months, mm. but it was still, a, it, I mean, I swear it felt like it was two years. Right. And it was, and it was hard to bond with her too, because yep. it was, and, and then that whole, had a whole nother batch of emotions that came with it. It's, it was a lot all at once. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's that other additional layer of constant, well, I would, I would assume is overstimulation yeah. with the, the crying all the time, like you needing that escape, just let me get back to work. And yeah. by the way, I'm so glad. Thank you for sharing that because a, a lot of moms feel that too. Yeah. And dads, partners yeah. have that feeling, but it's, it often feels like you're alone when you have that mm-hmm. feeling, but it, it happens. And yeah. that was your truth. Oh, yeah. It's and it's taken it's taken a while to be able to admit that mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. not feel like a horrible mom or, you know, but I've I've learned through this experience that I cannot be a good mom, a good wife, a good therapist, a good friend, anything like that. I have to fill my cup first. Mm-hmm. And if that meant you know, going to work two and a half weeks sooner than I was supposed to, mm-hmm. so be it. But I needed, in order to be able to take care of her later in the day, 
I needed to have my energy balanced between something else. And it's so important to find something, even if even if you're a stay-at-home mom, but finding something to kind of balance that out so that you have other purposes and not just holding a baby or bouncing or feeding. There's so many other things that can help kind of fill your cup if you need that. Yeah. This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So going back to that, when you did return back to work and, and you're getting peppered all of these questions or opinions maybe too. I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm sure that came in. How, how did you deal with that? Or I guess what, what did you say to people and then what was happening for you internally too? Sure. I'll kind of answer it in two different parts. One will be how I answered it with the clients um, because before I had her, we were in person. So I couldn't hide that I was pregnant. They yeah. very much knew I was showing and so when I returned and I had a full schedule, every single one, how's the baby? How's she doing? How, and, and each one was a bit of a trigger. I had a couple of clients that said, oh, I didn't think you'd be back so soon. Mm-hmm. Like I was expecting you to come back in July. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so they, my answers to them were very different, of course. And I said, yeah, I'm back. I decided to come back early and kind of played it, played it pretty cool. But it was very triggering. Because they were even asking like, okay, how is it being back when you got both your kids? And then with COVID, they were asking about that. And, right. and so at some point I said, okay, like enough, enough about me. I'm back. Let's catch me up on what's been going on in your life in the last mm-hmm. three months. Uh, more so, so with work people, when I returned, we were strictly telehealth, which mm-hmm. I had never done. We, ne- we were never oh. given the opportunity to do that before. Yeah. So I feel like I had to learn a whole new part of my job all over again. Yeah. I had clients that I had never met before that were strictly telephone. And so that was also really difficult to form a relationship when I felt like I also wasn't at my my best to mm-hmm. form relationships because I was still in treatment. I was still getting the help that I needed. And so that was tricky in and of itself. 
And then with some of the other staff members, I have one, one close friend who knew what I was going through. And so that was nice to be able to reach out to her if I felt kind of inundated or overwhelmed or, or stressed. But some of them, yeah, a lot of them were saying, oh, you're back so soon. And how is it? Isn't, isn't it so great? And you, you're so lucky that your whole family was home during this because of the pandemic, everything was closed. And it took everything oh. in my head not to say like, are you frigging kidding me? <laughs> right. Like it was horrible. It couldn't right. have gone, it couldn't have gone much worse. Looking back, I think, yes, there was some blessings in that, like that my husband wasn't traveling. I don't, I honestly don't know what I would have done mm-hmm. uh, if he was traveling as much as he usually is. And so I think that really saved us in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. But it, it probably took a good another three months or so after I got back to work for me to actually feel like back in the rhythm. I felt mm-hmm. uh, when I was so depressed, I it, it slowed me down. So my yeah. thinking wasn't as clearly. And so right. I had to like get, kind of revisit all the coping skills and strategies that I would, techniques that I would share with my clients. And it felt like I was doing therapy for the first time all over again, because I had a mm-hmm. whole new fresh pair of eyes, but they still were not experienced while dealing with this on the side. And right. uh, so it was, it was really tricky. And I think I remember around Christmas of 2020 is when I finally felt not normal by any means, but I felt like, okay, I think I can, I think I can still be doing therapy. And I, I like, I think I got a good balance going right now, but it took, it took quite a while. And I was even kind of questioning, like, is this for me still? Like, mm-hmm. is this what, what am I going to do with, if I have a client that has postpartum or what am I going right. to, you know, and, and being able to find, okay, like how much do I share? How do I not cry with them? Yeah. Because it was still so fresh to me. And so mm-hmm. being able to find that balance was really hard. And it still is in certain situations when I have clients now, because mm-hmm. I see a lot of women with perinatal mental health and and what that balance is and if there's any suggestions or strategies that I can give them that maybe they haven't tried yet but yeah going back to work was it was it was a whole nother battle that I again wasn't prepared for didn't think it was going to be right. but I got triggered more so than I and I thought I would yeah it's it's a massive change i mean it, it would be without covid yeah. uh, but with with all of those additional layers so you were like working from home mhm yeah, so with I was working from home with a also. baby crying upstairs. Yep. So yep. here, yep. here in my basement, baby crying upstairs, screaming. Could you um, hear it? Could you oh, hear yeah. your baby? Okay. I every once in a while I had a client like, is what is that? <laughs> Which again was also there was I was also like, oh God, like you can hear I'm so sorry, but then also like I felt bad oh. that I'm I'm here, I'm in the home and I can't go, can't go help. Not not that. I would be able to help her cry anyway, but we, we learned a couple tricks here and there, like the vacuum or standing in the bathroom with the shower running, anything mm. to kind of soothe her a little bit. And so even my presence may not have helped, but yeah, I, I've, I actually forgot about that part. Yeah. She was, she was right upstairs screaming and I had to work at the same time. I'm trying and focus. It's incredibly yeah. difficult. difficult. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So a little bit, maybe going back to a point you made earlier around that, as a as a therapist going through something like this, how uh, it sounds like you've come a long way. Uh, you're very sharing, long way. You're yes. sharing here <laughs> with us. Uh, yeah, what was it like to work through that, and to, yeah, what was that journey? Yeah. 
so I found I found my therapist who is amazing and I I sought her out because she specialized in perinatal mental health disorders and then she also is EMDR certified which and I knew at that point most like by that point I I realized what I probably needed and what mm-hmm. would have helped me and so once I started talking with her uh, I mean she had so much compassion and validation and I mean she was just she's she's wonderful and she helped me realize that all of these steps that I was starting to take was a part of my journey. Mm-hmm. And over time, I think a big part of it was myself even questioning, like, do I love this baby? It's different, right? Our relationship mm-hmm. is different than I had with my oldest. And she helped me realize the love was always there. It was just masked by all of this other junk mm-hmm. uh, that was taking away from the, the sweet baby cuddles and watching her sleep and the enjoyment of feeding her and all of those things was they were just completely covered up by all of the misery that she was experiencing, unfortunately. And so I think being a therapist and feeling like I should know how to handle this, I should be able to calm my baby, I sh- all of these shoulds and it the the level of shame that I have uh, or that I had while dealing with this was what a horrible therapist I am. How can I, am I skilled? Am I, I start questioning mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. all of these things because at that point in my, in my life, I was thinking, well, a good therapist, I, they'd be able to handle this. They'd, no problem. And so I was holding myself to this expectation that was just completely unrealistic mm-hmm. that I don't think anybody else was holding me to. So I know that it was irrational but at the time, I, I felt it to be true. So in your journey with your therapist, and just for you and yourself, how did, did you come to a point where you, I guess, could sort of be okay with the reality that you yourself had struggled? And it wasn't just that you should have known what to do since you're a therapist. Sure. I think for the most part, most days, I'm doing a lot better. I think with the work that we've done with EMDR specifically, that really helped change kind of the negative framework that I had associated with it and that I can still have some of these thoughts and experiences and it doesn't define me as a mom. Mm -hmm. It doesn't define me as a partner. It doesn't Mm -hmm. define me as a therapist, which really helped it doesn't change how much, you know, I love my children and really learning to not give it so much power, which mm-hmm. in the moment when I remember when my therapist said, that, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, how can I not? <laughs> and over time with and lots of sessions, being able to learn that this experience, I could either allow it to take over me and define me as all the the judgments that I could think of, or I could say, you know what, this happened, just like other things have happened in my life. And I'm going to see if I can change the path on this, right? How can I Mm -hmm. use this to have more compassion or empathy for others? How can I do this to have more motivation to do fun things with my kids, be more present with Mm -hmm. them? How can I use this in my therapy work, which ultimately led to me getting certified in perinatal mental health? Because I would love to help women go through this because, I mean, 
it's, it hasn't stopped. People are still experiencing these things. Yeah. And just to know that there's a resource out there. I didn't know of any, as a therapist, I didn't know of any of these resources, right. postpartum support international. I didn't know any of them existed. Right. And now that I've opened that door, it's amazing. And so I'm telling everybody, <laughs> I'm like, Hey, they've got a support group for that. And they've got this. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's, it's just amazing how much information is out there, but we don't, we don't talk about it. We right. don't, it's so common. Was it one in five women go through it and we just don't talk about it. And so I have found that as also part of my healing process is to talk about it and to kind of normalize it. Yep. This happened. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the best time of my life, Mm -hmm. but I survived it. I got through it. And now I want to help other people or at least just bring some awareness to it. Um, Especially being a therapist in the field. I think, again, we kind of hold ourselves to a higher expectation and we're not immune to it. We can easily have these symptoms too. And so I think it's taken me a while to get to that point, but Mm -hmm. I'm actually really thankful that this is the path that was kind of paved for me because I don't know what, where I would be right now in terms of providing therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know where I would be as a mom. And so looking back, I think it's all, it's all part of the plan. Yeah. I'm really glad that you were able to find a specialist as, as it's hard, it can be hard to find a specialist if you don't know where to look. And yeah, well, even if you do know where to look through COVID specifically, it got really hard Yeah, because all of a sudden everyone was busy, busy, busy. Yeah. Right. So right. I hear your your passion in the work. I hear that and and whatnot. So in, in terms of the, supports that you had and what helped you through you found a specialist you went back to work and helped yourself get did enough so yeah, the power of distraction yeah <laughs> hey sometimes it really helps it works yes it does mm-hmm. but looking back into your experience do you can you pinpoint or how did you know when it was kind of time to reach yeah. out for help great question I remember sitting on the couch with my husband one night and I was just like in a daze. Mm. I knew time was passing, but I felt like not a whole lot of motivation to get up, not to really do anything. I remember not really having a whole lot of conversations or texting with friends or family members. And I remember it being, it was a very hard conversation to tell him, I think I'm depressed. Because again, there's that judgment. There's that yeah. that idea. Like, what do you like? How how could that even be possible? And all I just remember him looking. He said, "Okay." And I remember that night I started searching and somehow stumbled upon the the therapist that I found. And it was I just knew in my heart that this is not this is not right for me. Mm-hmm. This is not how I typically feel. This is not my normal. Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. sleep my sleep was off which it is when you have a newborn anyway, but to the point of like feeling panicky in the middle of the night, that is not normal for me. Not remembering to eat. I love to, I, I love food for me, for, for me not doing that, that that's a big red flag. Yeah. And just, I mean, I remember being irritable, lashing out at my husband, just, just very out of character. And it wasn't for just like a day or two. It was for weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that along with the conversation that I had with, with my postpartum checkup, when she went through the scale of all the questions, and I remember being like, ooh, I'm actually scoring higher than I actually thought I would. 
mm-hmm. um, in mm-hmm. terms of level of depression. So that that also helped. And I and I before I remember getting screenings, I'm like, oh, this isn't how true could this possibly be? And it actually helped me again because I feel like I held myself to a different standard because I'm in the field. Mm-hmm. It helped me realize, like, oh crap, like I'm not <laughs> I'm not that special, right? Like, <laughs> and and so I think those things all happening around the same time period really helped me open my eyes and say, okay, I gotta, mm-hmm. I gotta get this together. Cause this isn't, it's not going anywhere good. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, did you have like an inkling that was like kind of gnawing at you or whatnot that was t- telling you like, this isn't, this isn't me, yeah. something's not right? I'd say around probably around the four week mark because I was I was excited for my six week postpartum appointment. And I think I was excited because it was finally somebody that I could tell Mm. that would understand without judgment. Mm -hmm. Because leading up to that, there was no no there was no doctor appointments. I do remember filling out a postpartum screening form at my daughter's her first in person pediatric appointment. And I remember they called me probably three weeks after she had the appointment saying, we really think you should probably talk to somebody because your, your screening came back. But it was three weeks after the appointment. Oh, and I told, and I told the lady and I, I, of course I was more irritable than I normally am. (laughs) And I said, I said, not for nothing. I said, I'm a therapist. This should have been, this phone call should have been made three weeks ago. Yeah. And I hung up. Yeah. Because I was, I was so, I I probably would have done that anyway if I wasn't (laughs) depressed, but, but to the point where, it was, it was a really dark time. And I don't know how many other people, and again, it was during COVID. So they were bogged down with a whole lot of other things. Sure. But that's the whole point is you check on the baby, you check on the mom in that, Mm -hmm. that appointment with the pediatrician. And so I remember, I remember that as well happening and just shocked that nobody caught, I was waiting, I was waiting for the phone to ring. And so I, I remember probably around the four week mark to answer your question, because mm-hmm. I was looking forward to that OB appointment so that I could finally tell someone and kind of take the next step forward mm-hmm. because there was, I was, I was afraid. I didn't know how it was going to be received by family. I didn't know how it was going to be received uh, by anybody. And so probably around that one month mark, we were two weeks into, we were a month into COVID. We were two weeks into the colicky behavior, really sleep deprived at that point. Mm-hmm. And I just knew something, something in my gut just didn't, it didn't feel right. It didn't sit right with me. And I, I didn't know how to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, thanks for highlighting that part too. Not, not knowing how to, knowing how to get out of it is, that's part of the fog of it. It's like, even if you have the skills, it's that difficult. Yeah. It's just that difficult. It is. Hi there. I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners 
on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. So, right. It's been a couple of two and a half years, I guess. And we've been through quite a lot. You you went through this experience and then you realized what was going on and you got the help and then you got the training and now you're supporting other people dealing with this. Kind of I guess knowing what you know now, what would you what would you say to parents out there who are who are struggling with this? Good question. I would tell people about the postpartum international support groups that they have out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, letting people know that there are specialists, there are groups, there are just groups of women in general. They don't have to be therapy trained that are there to support you. More people go through this than we realize. Yeah. And it's, it's something that it's not something that we should be ashamed of. It's something that we need to own as part of our journey, as part of our story. Mm-hmm. And with that, I have, with the people that I have spoken with, the amount of people that I said, oh my God, I felt the same way too. Mm-hmm. And they just, mm-hmm. their face like lights up like, oh my God, yeah. thank, thank you for, <laughs> thank you for telling me. I've been dying to tell somebody. And it's just, yeah. it's, I mean, it's a part of motherhood, parenthood really that, we just don't, we talk, we, we talk about how your body changes during pregnancy and what to expect during delivery and even, even a couple of days after delivery. And then it stops. And we don't talk about what those two, three, four, five weeks after birth could look like and what to do to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, seeing if you can have a therapist in that, in that final trimester to have it set up in the event that either something with birth doesn't go quite right, or your expectations are a little different and kind of planning for that. Even just the, you know, the adjustment of parenthood would be, it could right. be beneficial. You know, having talks with some close friends or family, like, Hey, if I need help. And again, my story is a little different because of the pandemic. We couldn't, but just thinking things that we might've done differently. Could we have gotten somebody in here? Could we, have, would, would we have been comfortable with a nurse or a doula or somebody to come in and kind of help us have some support in those earlier weeks. But there's so much information out there that, and I didn't know any of it, Mm. that I think just doing your research and just knowing that there are, there's so many of us out there that have had it and have survived it, that 
there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just may take a little longer to get there than we hoped. Yeah. Thank you for that. I yeah. appreciate that. And, and for sharing your story and just being honest, especially for other therapists yeah. uh, who are, who are struggling as well, because there is that added layer of pressure. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you. For thank you so on. much for having me. Thank you. I appreciate it. To learn more about Laura and the work that she's doing, go to at Thrive Counseling underscore wellness on Instagram or visit her website, Thrive Counseling and Wellness Group.com. And please make sure you subscribe to this podcast and share it with as many people as you can to continue to spread the word about perinatal mental health and how important it is that we are all here to support each other. Thank you for joining us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.